Have you ever heard of slubber doffers? Slubber doffers? You ever heard of knocker-uppers? Have you ever heard of uh, toshers? No? Have you ever heard of lamplighters? Silence fell across the crowd. Slubber doffers, knocker-uppers, toshers, lamplighters. You know what all those things have in common? Those are all old fashion jobs that were done in like Victorian England that are completely irrelevant now. Slubber offers were people who would change the, the, the parts in a textile mill, right? When they're making textile, there was these, they actually had kids that did these and they had to like change the laws because too many kids were working too early. And they were changing out these like things off a textile mill and they were called slubber offers. Knocker-uppers were people who would work in hotels, and what they would do is they would go knock on people's doors as an alarm clock, as like a wake-up call. Sometimes they'd work in apartment buildings, and you could hire a knocker-upper to knock on your door to wake you up as an alarm clock so you wouldn't be late to go to the factory. Uh, you don't need that job anymore. Toshers were people who would go through the sewers and try to find anything that was shiny. So they tried to find anything that's silver or gold, and they would uh, kind of wade through the sewers and collect stuff from it and then bring it home, and then they'd sort it through and uh, try to make some money off of that. It's a job people aren't doing anymore. And lamplighters, right? That's probably the easiest to understand. It was people who would take a little flame and would touch a torch, uh, like street lamps that were fueled by oil, and you had to put fire up there to light it, and then someone at some point would come and, and shut it down, okay? Here's why I bring up those four jobs. They're completely irrelevant to you, and in fact, you probably never heard of any of the four of them, right? They don't matter for you. It might be interesting to learn about what people did in the 1800s. Some of you who are into history might be like, oh, that's interesting and cool, but it will never affect your daily life, right? You're never going to be a tosher. You're, you're never going to be uh, a slubber doffer, I hope. You don't need to be a slubber offer. There's no need for you to do that, right? Completely irrelevant. You will never experience that even though you can study that, right? That concept is similar to what people are going to act like when you read the Bible and when you come across things like what we're going to read today. Today, in the Sermon on the Mount, the next passage as we're working our way through, Jesus talks about fasting from food. That means not eating food for an extended period of time, Right? And a lot of people look at fasting and slubber offers and toshers, and it's all kind of one thing. It's like, we can learn about what they did, but this is not, nothing that I actually have to experience. I would never enter into this. Would I? Should I? Do I have to? Wait, do Christians fast from food? Is there any reason for them to? Well, seems like as you're reading the words of Jesus, he seems to say there is some kind of reason, even though he doesn't give it explicitly in this passage, he seems to assume that, yeah, obviously, Christians, disciples of mine, obviously, they fast at different times. And we read this like, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Is that even true? Like, do we fast? Are we supposed to fast? Are Christians supposed to not eat food for certain periods of time? Like, what are the things that Christians are supposed to fast in? It's, it's a confusing topic. And I bring up all these obsolete jobs because I think that's how a lot of us think of this topic right here. It's obsolete. Maybe in the Old Testament, there was reasons for them to fast, and maybe they did that because God said to, but certainly there's nothing relevant about that now, is there? And I'd say, well, I don't think Jesus would be talking about it if it was completely irrelevant. In fact, Jesus wouldn't say things like this, when you fast, and then give instructions. He wouldn't say that to you. He would say, hey, if you choose to fast, maybe at some point. 
but he doesn't say that. Jesus assumes that as one of God's people, there will be times where you do not eat food for religious reasons, okay? Um, now, there's a lot of Christians that have taken that and made their own rules about when Christians should and should not eat. And a lot of those rules are inappropriate and wrong. And that's why at our church, right, you're never going to see people, uh, at least people from our church, that are walking around with, uh, with ash crosses on their, on their foreheads, like maybe you saw at school, or maybe like you saw in the world, because that's a prescribed fast from the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not saying that's what we do, because that's a prescribed fast from a church that, you know, Jesus says, Jesus does not say you have to do that. But there is an assumption in the Bible, and particularly in the words of Jesus, that, yeah, obviously you fast. And my problem is, as we start to study this passage, and we start to say, okay, like, what, how do we follow Jesus in this? We don't share the same assumption that Jesus had. I don't think the average church-going person in the 21st century in Southern California would think, well, yeah, of course, obviously Christians are supposed to fast. I don't think we share that presupposition, right? So that's why today, as we study fasting and study what Jesus has to say about fasting, we're going to do a deeper dive into what the whole Bible says about this. So before we do that, I want to read this passage, and I want you to look at it with me. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 16. I want you to open up a Bible and check that out. If you don't have a Bible, we got some Bibles in the back. Now's a good time to grab it. We're going to look at some different passages today, but I want you to think about, okay, what does God expect from us with this topic, because it's kind of an odd topic. Kind of feels like talking about lamplighters. Like, you can learn about it, but are we really going to start lighting lamps? Really? Like, that seems like an obsolete thing. Well, I want to look at what he says here. So let's start in verse 16. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And remember, everything that came before this, this is the third devotional activity that Jesus is going to correct the wrongdoing in. Right? So remember the beginning of the chapter, he says, hey, don't give like this. You should give like that. Right? He says, don't give by trying to like blow trumpets and saying, hey, look at everybody. Look at what I'm giving to the poor. Look what I'm giving to the church. Don't like blow the trumpet and announce to everybody all the fabulous things you're giving because that's hypocritical. Right? So he says, don't give like this. Give like that. Okay? Then he says, hey, and when you pray, don't pray like this, but pray like that. And then he gives the, the Lord's Prayer. Right? The third activity, giving, praying, we're getting to it here, fasting. It's like all of these become in more personal, more intensely personal. Giving, that's you and other people, right? Someone else has to be involved in your giving, right? Prayer, that's just you and God, right? And fasting, now we're getting to like this heightened level of spirituality that most people today don't even do. A lot of Christians have never even thought to do this. And my point is that Jesus just assumes that of course you're giving to people that you need. Of course, Christians should do that. Of course, you're praying and let me help you pray. Of course, you're fasting, let me help you fast. And the reason I say all this is because I just don't think we, we share the same assumption that Jesus shares, that of course, God's people fast. So look at it with me. Matthew 6, Matthew 6 16, he says, and when you fast, assuming that we do, he says, do not look gloomy, like the hypocrites. The idea is to make your face dirty uh, or sad. Like don't, don't try to look worse than what you're actually feeling. Like if you're fasting, don't go around and be like, I'm having a really bad day. You know, it's like, oh, why are you having a bad day? Well, I'm fasting. It's like, oh, wow. Really? Why are you fasting? Oh, wow. You're very spiritual. Right? He says, don't do that. Right? Don't go around trying to get attention. 
with your fasting. He says, for the hypocrites, they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. There's a, there's a funny wordplay in the original language where he says, they disfigure their faces, so they like they hide and destroy their faces so that their face shines. It's the same word. It's like they, they unshine their faces so that their faces shine to other people, right? It's a, it's a wordplay, right? They make their face look bad, so they make their face look good, right? They disfigure their faces so that people will look at it and see them. They, they don't do their makeup that day. They don't do their hair. They, they wear different clothes. They wear the, the baggy clothes when they normally wear different clothes. They change their appearance to make themselves look more like either dirty or sad or despondent, right? For, for the men, it's like, you know, they don't shave, even though, you know, that's most days for you guys, right? Um, and facial hair is not so bad these days, right? Uh, but like, that would have been what it would have looked like in some cultures, right? Like, he's saying, don't make yourself look purposefully raggedy when you're fasting, Don't do that. Why? Well, because if you do this to be seen by others, if you fast just so that people see you fasting and they say, wow, you're so godly, you fast. Then he says, truly, they have received their reward. The idea is God doesn't care about that fasting. That's the same phrase he said with giving. If you give just so that people will praise you and say, wow, you are such a godly person. I can't believe we gave. Did you hear she did this? Oh, wow. If that's your motive for giving, he says, God's not rewarding that. There's no reward. That was the reward. God let you have the praise of people. That's your only reward. If you pray and you pray long prayers so the people be like, wow, look at that. That person in my small group prayed such long prayers. Wow, they must be more godly. And if that's your motive for doing it, Jesus says the same thing. You've received your reward. Don't think God's listening to answer that prayer. Your reward is that people think you're godly now. Same thing with fasting. If you fast and you make yourself look all raggedy, I know that's not a word you use, but that's the best word I can think of, right? Um, it's, it's a gender neutral word, right? Guys, you can look raggedy. Girls, uh, you could make yourself look raggedy, right? If you're trying to communicate to everybody, yeah, sorry, uh, but you could, right? You know you could, right? All of you know that you could make yourself look worse. And if you were trying to get attention from people about your sadness, like you're going a little emo spell, like, you know, trying to get people to be like, oh, why is this person so sad? And if you do that with fasting, and you just like want people to know you're fasting, what's Jesus saying? He's like, well, that's it. That's the reward. You got it. That's all there is to it. But verse 17, when you fast, what should you do? You should anoint your head and wash your face. Those were the two most common like hygiene things that you would do, right? So he's not saying, hey, when you're fasting, put on some special essential oils, right? Uh, unless you normally do, then do whatever you want, right? But it isn't like put some special fragrance or perfume or something. The point is, hey, do you normally put on cologne, right? Do you normally put on deodorant? They said yes, right? Amen, right? Uh, do, they, do they normally take showers? Do they normally brush their teeth? Do they, we have all these hygiene things. They didn't have a ton of hygiene things, but these are the two most common ones. He says, okay, when you're fasting, do all the normal stuff. Hey, girls, when you're fasting, uh, it's not the day for you to say, I'm just not going to do my makeup today because I want everyone to know that I look sad, right? No, just do your makeup like you normally do. Wear the clothes that you normally would wear. You know, wear the perfume like you normally would wear. Guys, wear deodorant like you normally would wear. Like, whatever's your normal, do that when you're fasting. That's the idea. I'm not saying you have to wear makeup. Don't, that's not what I said, right? I didn't say that. Do, what, do whatever you normally do is what I said, okay? Um, but don't do less because you understand the temptation, right? Like, if you're not eating food and the reason is for some godly reason, which we'll talk about later, if, if you purposely and intentionally, like, put out signals to people that you're hurting, you realize you're like fishing for attention or compliments or questions or sympathy. 
right? You understand that you have a temptation to do that, to fish for sympathy by bringing things up and saying things and self-deprecation that turns into like, it's just you fishing for praise, right? You know that you can do that. You have a little brother or a little sister or an older brother or an older sister that's done that. You understand sometimes when your parents do that to you. So you know when people are fishing for sympathy or compliments, right? Um, like I'm fishing for a yes or no from you right now. Yeah, yes. Okay, so you know we have that temptation when it comes to religious things like praying and giving, but also with fasting. Actually, more with fasting because fasting's like more intense. If I said, hey, what's more intense and spiritual? Like that you, you know, give to people who need your help, that you like pay for someone's meal this afternoon, or that you pray for an hour, or that you fast for a day. Like what's the most intense thing? You'd probably say, well, fasting's probably the most intense. That's like, that's like body and soul. That's like a huge commitment to say, I'm not going to eat food today. And we still haven't really discussed why not to eat food. But if you did that, you'd say that's even a bigger deal. So there's a higher temptation for you. He says, anoint your head, wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, which is the same construction that we have with the praying and the giving. And the point is not, hey, if anyone ever finds out that you're fasting, it's worthless. It's not his point. Just like with prayer, if anyone finds out that you prayed, does that mean the prayer is useless? No. If anyone finds out that you gave, does that mean the giving is useless? No. He's saying to avoid the temptation Aim for secrecy with giving, with prayer, and with fasting. Aim for secrecy, right? And then he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you, which is just a literal quote for quote, word for word, repetition of what he's already said twice about uh, giving, prayer, and fasting, okay? So that's what this text says. I didn't give you any points on this text yet, but here's what I want to do. I want to say, okay, what are we supposed to do about this? Because it kind of feels like, we're getting instructions how to light lamps, right? Like, hey, when you're lighting a lamp, make sure that you extend the, the torch out more than six feet away from your body and make sure it doesn't catch fire. It's like, okay, I, could, I feel like this doesn't matter to me if I don't have to fast, right? I want to challenge that thinking, right? I want to even challenge the fact that because of the culture we live in, all of us, and because, you know, we could have a, maybe you and I live in a different culture, but I think we live in the same culture, we, we have similar things in the Bible that like make sense to us. I'm like, yeah, I get that. And other parts are like, I don't get that, right? So we always have to go back to the original culture to understand what is this all about? And fasting is a really hard one for us because we live in a day where most people never have to miss a meal, right? Most of us never, ever have to miss a meal. Even if, like, even if your, your family can't make enough money to have food, the government will still pay for your food, right? So like even that... It's not as if we've got starving poor that are, are, are at your high school, right? It may be people who have less money, but basically in our society, for the most part, people are getting what they need, and there's charity, and there's safety nets, and there's all this stuff to provide food for people. And because of that, most of us are not very well acquainted with the idea of going without, with anything, right? Um, cell phones, food, water, like we basically have what we need. So this is, I think, is more challenging for us than for people in other cultures. But what I want to challenge you today is to learn what it means to fast, learn what the Bible says about it, and then I want to challenge you to try it. Uh, and more than just try it, I, I want you to, to do something about the sermon that you hear today. And we'll talk about more 
later. But first point, I just want you to understand the purposes of biblical fasting, right? Biblical fasting, I'll talk about things that fasting is and fasting isn't. So this is kind of the lecture portion of this sermon, okay? I want to give you the facts, give you what the Bible says about it. So first of all, fasting, the word means to be empty. So the idea is uh, to not have what you normally have. And, and it always is in relation to food. So when he says fast, he's carrying with it this religious and cultural idea of not eating. Not eating for a certain period of time for religious purposes. Not for your health reasons or not for a challenge, a physical challenge, but for a religious reason. Okay? Fasting in the Bible is always connected to prayer. So if you were to like look up the word fasting and see like where in the Bible do people fast, a lot of it happens in the Old Testament, and you know it's always happening with fasting? Prayer to God, right? So fasting, always connected to prayer. Very important thing to take note of. Also, when you fast, I just want you to think what takes place. If you say like tomorrow, say you're going to fast tomorrow, you don't eat breakfast, you don't eat lunch, right? what's going to happen to your body if you don't take in food the way you normally take in food? You're going, to be, you're going to feel hungry, but what does hungry feel like to you, right? It feels like a growling stomach, right? It feels maybe like physical sharp pain in your stomach. Uh, one of the things that happens is headaches, right? All of that is what happens when you fast. So a lot of us think, well, oh, I can't fast because like I'll get a stomach ache. It's like, well, no, that's kind of the whole stinking point, right? Or no, well, I can't, I can't take a break from coffee because I, I would get a headache. It's like, well, duh, like that's the that's what happens when you fast. Like, that's kind of the point, right? Now, if you're, it's going to debilitate you and you're going to die if you don't eat food, which I just don't think that's going to happen for any of you. But, you know, there are people that if they missed a meal, they would have serious health problems. I'm not talking about those people, right? So not everyone has to fast all the time, right? So that's not what the Bible says, but um, it would interrupt your normal life. That's the other thing about fasting. Fasting is painful. Fasting also would interrupt your life. Like, you're not going to feel good if you were to fast, right? Just think about it. If you didn't eat food for just one day, let's say you take a two meal fast and you just didn't eat that day. Are you going to be like as good at your homework and as efficient as you would be in a normal day? No, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you probably won't be as efficient. Can you like do your track meet really well? Are you going to run really well? Are you going to do your swim meet really well? No, right? And by the way, I'm not suggesting that you fast on a day that you have some physical exercise like that, Ex extreme physical exertion. You shouldn't fast on that day. That's stupid. You'll just pass out and we'll be like, that was a waste, right? Um, that didn't help, right? So fasting is not just to, just to feel pain or just to do that, right? Fasting interrupts your normal life. Um, some, some patterns in the Bible of fasting. I said, what are the purposes? The most famous and important and commanded fast took place once a year in the fall for the Jewish people. It's prescribed in Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 23. It was on the day of atonement. Okay. So the day of atonement was the day where the Israelites, the text literally says, this is Leviticus 23, verse 27. On the 10th day of the seventh month, which is the day of atonement, it is, the, it is a time for you of holy convocation, right? Holy convocation, they're gonna get together, right? they're gonna think about these things, and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. So afflict yourself, what does that mean? Does that mean hit yourself? Does that mean, you know, no, it doesn't mean that, right? Always the interpretation of this from the very beginning for these Jewish people has always been, we are not going to eat food. So God says, afflict yourselves. What does that look like? 
They did not eat food. So all these Jewish people said, on this one day, we're not eating food. And what are we doing, though? We're presenting a food offering. Oh, see, that's even more intense. It's not just like, I'm going to avoid food and not see it. It's like, I'm going to make a good meal, and then I'm going to give it to God, and I'm not going to eat it, right? That's interesting, right? That takes a little bit of self-control. So that's what these people were doing. I'll keep reading. He says, and you shall do no ordinary work for that on that day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that day shall be cut off from his people. Basically saying as a threat, like everyone participates in this. So afflicting yourselves, that means not eating food. Presenting a food offering, that's even you know, more interesting because you're like not just avoiding food altogether, but like you're preparing food, you're smelling that food, and then you're not gonna eat it. Why? Well, because for these Jewish people, God wanted them for on one day of the year, remember their sin and remember how their sin needed to be atoned for. And there's a lot of other things that went on on that day. One of them is that they would take uh, two animals, one of them, they would sacrifice the other, they would send off into the wilderness. That's the, the, the phrase where you get the word scapegoat, right? Someone's a scapegoat. That comes from the Day of Atonement, that we put guilt on somebody, and it's on this goat, and it would go off into the wilderness. He'd carry the sins away symbolically from the people of God. And now here's the question. Do you need to celebrate the Day of Atonement? Right? Answer's no. You don't. So this is not a prescribed fast. This is why every Yom Kippur, we're not saying, hey, are you fasting on Yom Kippur? Doesn't apply to you. Why? Because the Day of Atonement was looking forward to what Jesus did. We look back. We celebrate Jesus' death every week. We remember the life, death, and resurrection every time we go to church, right? So we're commemorating atonement every time we go to church. They, in the Jewish calendar, do it once a year. So no, that's not applied to you, but it's helpful for you to understand. Throughout the Old Testament, some other examples, uh, people would fast when they're giving themselves to intense prayer, especially for the forgiveness of sin or for pleading with God to protect the people. Some examples in Daniel 9, when Daniel prays, it says he was praying for, for weeks and he was fasting. So, and if you know Daniel 9, that's the prayer where Daniel prays like, God, please forgive your nation. Like we've done, we've done bad, we've messed up. Please forgive us. And God answers that prayer. But fasting was included with that. Also, David, when he sinned in a major way and his son was about to die, he fasts and he prays. It's like a mixture of grief and pleading with God to say, God, please save my son. Please save my son. And God decided, no, I'm not going to save your son. And once he died, he washed his face, he stopped fasting, and he, he moved on. Um, so interesting. That wasn't a grief response, really. But sometimes in the Bible, you do see people fasting in grief. We see that uh, in the book of 1 Samuel, we see people respond to certain deaths by fasting. So that's another response fast. Uh, we also see sometimes the people of Israel would say, we're all going to fast together. So a, a communal fast that took place in Ezra chapter 8, when the people of Israel came back into the land after Daniel prayed. Now you got all these Israelites back in the land and they said, we messed up. We did wrong. We did not obey God's word. Guys, we need to get serious about this. We need to be so serious. You know what? Tomorrow, we're not eating. We're just praying. That was kind of what they did. And but why did they do that? It was to say, we're going to get really serious about this for this day. And we're really going to focus on God. And fasting will drive us to further prayer. The hunger pains will drive us to further prayer. That's what they did. Sometimes uh, people would do fast when they're seeking God's protection. So like in Esther, you know that story with Esther and the king, and she was going to ask the king a question. She told 
the, the other Israelites, hey, tell everybody, fast and pray for me while I go and talk to the king. Because this is going to depend on whether or not the Israelites survive or not, right? What's the point? Fasting is like, it's kind of like taking the prayer to another notch, right? We, you know, we say, hey, can you pray for me for this or that? But we rarely say, can you fast and pray for me for this? Something would have to be really intense. And that's the idea. So fasting is not like an everyday thing. It's not even an every week thing in the Old Testament, but it became an every week thing by the time of Jesus. So um, just some other things to think about. Um, By the time of Jesus, do you remember? It's a weird little phrase. It's in Luke 18, verse 12, when Jesus is describing the Pharisees and how they pray. This guy, this Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you I'm not like other men. And this guy's a bad guy, right? I thank you I'm not like other people. Um, I give tithes of all that I get. I fast twice a week. It's interesting. What, What it seems like a lot of these religious Jews were doing was taking two days of the week where they didn't eat during the day. They'd only eat at night, right? So... And the early church says they did that um, on uh, Monday and Thursday as when the, the Jewish people fasted every day, right? The really religious people. So people were fasting at the time of Jesus, so much so that there's a story in the Gospel of Matthew. If you're in Matthew 6, just turn to the right a little bit. Matthew chapter 9, interesting. Someone asked Jesus questions about fasting. They said in Matthew 9, verse 14, it says it's the disciples of John the Baptist. So followers that were being taught by John. John's teaching these, this group of people. And it says, the disciples of John came to him, that's Jesus, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Right? So maybe they were doing twice a week. We don't know. He just says, we fast and the Pharisees fast, but John's disciples are kind of like, aren't we on the same team here? Right? Like, you guys and us, you're Jesus' team, we're John's team, we're on the same team. Pharisees even really aren't on our team, but we're fasting and you're not fasting. Why are you guys not fasting? And Jesus responds by saying to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Answer, you wouldn't do that, right? Why would wedding guests, like that's the time to feast. You got the wedding guests, you got the groom, that's time to eat, right? Um, You're not fasting at that point. You're not mourning. But he says the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they'll fast. So even that's interesting. Some of us say, oh, well, you know, Jesus says you don't have to fast. No, he kind of implies that it's not appropriate to fast when he's hanging out with you. But when Jesus is not with you, he's kind of saying it is appropriate to fast when he's not with them. So he doesn't answer in the negative. Like, oh, no, 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 Christians don't fast. He just says, hey, when I'm with you, it doesn't make sense to fast. Which, by the way, scholars have noted that um, Jesus probably kept the fasts for the Day of Atonement. There's no evidence that he didn't do that. Everybody would have done that. And we probably would have it recorded if he didn't do that. If he made some scenes that I'm not keeping the fast, but he does because he, he fulfills God's word. Also, in the Gospel of Matthew, have you ever thought about this? When else does fasting come up? Comes up in the fourth chapter, right when Jesus goes to be tempted in the wilderness. Do you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't eat right? It's interesting. He does not eat for 40 days. And that seemed like a complete day, 40-day fast. It wasn't like he was eating at night and not during the day. seems like he survived for 40 days not eating food. And again, does the Bible say that you need to go 40 days without eating? No, it doesn't say that, right? So I can't point to a Bible verse that tells you that. I'm not even suggesting that you do that, right? But I am suggesting to you 
that fasting is a regular part of the life of God's people, and I doubt it's a part of yours, right? It's probably not. Um, maybe it is for you, and you say, well, that was Jesus, that was the Old Testament. Not, a, not in the church age. Well, Acts chapter 13, verse 2, this is during when Paul and Barnabas are, are doing ministry in the church. It says, Luke writes in Acts 13, 2, he says, while we are worshiping the Lord and fasting, it's right there, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I've called them. And then they go on and do missionary journeys. That's the whole rest of the book is Paul going out. How did that start? When did they decide we're going to be missionaries? When did God say, now's the time? When they were praying and fasting, special prayer and fast. It wasn't just like their morning devotionals. That was something special and unique. Well, but that's just for sending out missionaries. Well, next chapter, Acts 14, 23, Acts 14, 23, says when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So that's saying Paul and Barnabas got sent off by fasting, right? And then they, they became missionaries. Then as they appointed pastors in the church, what did they do in appointing a pastor in a church? It's like, well, they were fasting and praying. And then they said, great, you're, we're going to commit you to the Lord. You're going to work for God now. And what are they doing? Well, they're fasting and praying too. And then it seems like normal life resumed after that. But for that special time of like committing people to a work, they're fasting, which is why even in the church age, it's very appropriate. You know, a very appropriate time for you to fast is if we're planting a church, if we're sending out missionaries. That's a great time to fast. That's the most biblical New Testament time to fast to say, I'm going to spend this day or this two days, I'm not going to eat and I'm going to pray. And when I'm hungry, I'm going to pray. And when I feel just mad that I don't have food, I'm going to pray. That's, that's the whole concept of fasting. It drives you back to God. Also, in the New Testament epistles, there's a section, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, which if you know that's about, you're like, whoa, whoa fasting. No, that's about sex, right? That passage is about sex and married couples, right? What does it say? Well, I'll tell you what it says. It says, don't deprive one another, right? That's talking about married couples, right? Except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So the idea is like, oh, well, couples should be intimate. They should be romantic like all the time. But you know, obviously I'm not talking about when you're fasting, because like, I guess at that point, you'd say, well, that, we're going to take a break from normal life to, to devote ourselves to prayer. So even in the epistles, it's like assumed. You notice it? It's assumed. It's not commanded. It's assumed. And that's our problem, right? Because I think a lot of us Christians are like, well, if it's not commanded, I don't have to do it, right? And you're right. It's not commanded that you have to fast this week. It's not commanded that you have to, you know, take a break from normal life this week. I can't point to a Bible verse, but it's assumed that that's what God's people do. So it's just interesting, right, when we take that. The early church uh, wrote, uh, there's a document, I've quoted it before, it's called the Didache, it was the teaching of the apostles, second century, so like 150 AD, Uh, I'll just read from it, it says, do not let your fasts coincide with those of the hypocrites, they fast on Monday and Thursday, so you must fast on Wednesday and Friday, right, do you notice how it's funny, it's just like assume like, oh, obviously you're fasting, so just like, just make sure, don't don't get confused with a hypocrite, because maybe like, People think you're like a hypocrite if you're fasting on the same days. It's just funny, right? It's, isn't that a different mentality that you have? If I was to ask you before the sermon, what do you think about fasting? You're like, I don't really know. I mean, people do it. People do it to try to like convince God of stuff. Like, I don't know if it's right. I, don't, I can't think of a Bible verse that tells me I have to. You're right about that. But it's just assumed the church fathers, the, the people in the early church, they just kind of did it. So, okay. 
That's what the Bible says about fasting. I want to go faster. A couple things. Uh, what fasting is not. Fasting is not uh, you forgetting to eat because you were busy. On Monday, I played golf, okay? Uh, my tea time was at 11.30. I just, I didn't eat on the way up. I didn't eat before I went out. I didn't know that the, you know, in golf, when you're done with nine holes, you usually get back to the clubhouse. I'd never played this course. Didn't come back to the clubhouse. So by the time I was done at like four, so it's too late to eat. So as I drove back in my car, I was hungry, right? Guess what I was not doing? I was not fasting, okay? I didn't eat. It's true, I didn't eat. I'm, I was empty, but I was not fasting. Fasting is different than forgetting to eat. So if you're like, hey, I had a really busy day and I forgot to eat lunch, I must have fasted for God, right? No, no, you didn't fast. You just forgot to eat. That's different, right? Fasting is like, you have to make the choice ahead of time. I am not going to eat for this purpose. And you state a purpose, right? Either it's to pray for a church that's getting planted, to, to pray for a particular sin that you want to conquer, to, to think about your spiritual growth in the next year, right? You seniors, like, great time for you to fast and pray. What kind of person are you going to be when you're not in daddy and mommy's house? What kind of person are you going to be when you're off in college? You know what you should do? You should fast and pray about that. That's a great thing to pray about and a great thing to focus on with fasting. Fasting is not... Uh, abstaining from certain foods for health reasons, right? Gluten-free, you're not fasting, okay? It's great you're gluten-free, whatever, I don't care. But you're not fasting. Don't tell me you're fasting. Don't say, well, you know, I'm choosing not to. Great, that's called self-discipline. Self-discipline and fasting are two different things, right? You're like, oh, I fast. That's why I didn't eat the s'mores tonight. Like, no, but s'mores kind of make you feel gross, though. So, like, was that really a fast? It wasn't a fast for God, that was just a fast for your health. And great, I th you should probably fast from dessert more often, right? That's a good thing. That's not fasting, though. That's not what he's talking about here. Uh, fasting is not giving up social media for a week, right? That's a type of fasting. That's not the fasting he's talking about here. Don't say, hey, I don't want to do the food thing, so I'll just do something else. Like, well, no, the, the kind of the whole point is the food thing because it's your body and it, it, it makes you feel bad and then you pray when you feel bad. So like, Fasting from social media doesn't do the same thing as fasting from food. It can be a good thing, great, it's, but that's self-discipline. That's not religious fasting, it's just different. Fasting is also not trying to earn God's favor. It's not you saying, hey God, look how serious I am. That's, that's not what fasting is for. Fasting is not an end in itself. So there are, you know, studies show there are serious health benefits to fasting, but that's not why you're fasting, right? If you do intermittent fasting, right, a lot of people do that, they eat during certain windows, that's awesome, great, do whatever you want. That's a health fast, that's not this fast. Don't say, I'm fasting for God, but really it's to lose weight. Like, those are two different things, right? If you do fast for, you know, health reasons, then fasting's probably easier for you. You know what, you could probably take four or five meals off, and, and you'd probably be even better, right? Right? <laughs> Those of us who do three meals a day, right? It's three and a half if you count, you know, snack or at some point, you know, you know I'm a three and a half meal a day kind of person, right? Maybe it should be a two and a half meal, right? But whatever, you, you understand, right? Uh, but fasting is not just saying, I'm not gonna eat for health reasons. Fasting also does not change God. There's nothing about God that you're changing when you fast because God doesn't change. Fasting changes you though, and that's very important. You, there are times you need to change. Fasting changes you, okay? Um, we got two more points. We're going to go really fast. Point number two, Jesus says, when you fast, do this and that, and don't do that and this, right? So why don't you begin to practice devotional fasting? Point number two, begin to practice it. Not every day, right? That's called uh, starving yourself, so don't do that. Uh, but 
especially, I, I bet I won't raise, I won't have you raise your hand because that would be kind of the opposite of the point of the sermon, right? Don't tell people when you're fasting. But like, if I were to ask, I bet the percentage of you is like, yeah, no, I fasted for a religious purpose to, to draw closer to God and to pray. And I feel spiritually separate from God. So you know what? I'm going to fast this week. I bet the, the number, the percentage in this room is super low, right? Especially among you students, you leaders. I would hope that all of you have probably fasted at some point for something. This is not the first sermon. Some of you heard on this, but, um, I bet most of us don't do it very often, right? Um, but begin to practice it. Why would you ever fast? Well, uh, your body will hurt. Uh, headaches, stomach rumbling, uh, different energy level. All that's true. But the point is that when you feel pain, you're driven back to God in prayer, right? Like, you ever want to pray about something? And you think, I'm going to pray about this this week. I'm going to pray about this person. I'm going to pray that this person gets saved this week. And then you make that commitment, and then you think about it like once, maybe twice. Now, let's say you say, I'm going to pray for this person's salvation today, and I'm going to fast. How often would you pray for them in that 24-hour span if you didn't eat food? All the time, because you keep getting hungry. And you keep turning that hunger into, oh, I need to pray for this, because I said I was going to pray for this. Oh, God, please. Oh, God, please. And then in your hunger, you turn back to God, and you keep turning back to God. That's the like, effectiveness of fasting. Also remember how Jesus describes our devotion to God at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's an image, right? But it's a helpful image. If you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness at all, and you're spiritually numb, and you feel like you don't want God at all, maybe step one is saying, hey, I'm going to commit. I want to fast once this week, and I want to recommit. I want to know God better. I have been so just out of it, so numb to God. Maybe a first step that you could start with is deciding to fast. Uh, your normal life will be interrupted. So don't, please don't choose a day that you have a, a baseball game in the afternoon. That's not the day to fast, right? Don't, don't choose that day. It's a, that's a bad day to choose. Um, yeah, when, when you're hungry, you see your dependence on God more clearly, right? Because just like little kids who just keep, you know, just chewing on whatever their parents put in front of them. That's how we eat oftentimes. We thank God as a form for our food, but we don't really think, yes, this comes from God. But you take a break from food for a little bit, you start to realize like, wow, food is a good thing. Wow, it's a good thing. Yeah, um, in general, right, we're very numb to things. And, and you know this, like if, if you're addicted to a screen, you know how like looking at a screen or listening to music all the time, it numbs your senses, Right? It keeps you from thinking about reality. Right? Screens do that. But also, being a super well-fed person like all of us are, right? unless you have some health thing that limits your diet, you're probably a really well-fed person. That also numbs you in a sense. right? Because you're not constantly thinking eternal things, spiritual things, because you're just numb to it. That's, that's what food does. And it's a good thing that food makes us feel good. It's a good thing that food satisfies us. But what do you call a person who's constantly satisfied and never wanting or never needing anything, right? That's a very apathetic person. So it does help with that. Yeah, even the way the scriptures talk, Philippians 3, 18 and 19, when Paul talks about people who are, are far from God, he says, for many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things, right? Here, here's a question, right? Here's another thing that fasting helps you do, right? 
God is my God, my food is not my God, right? God is my God, my screen is not my God, right? I'm seeking God, I need God, I need God more than I need food, right? It's a helpful practice. Again, I'm not saying everyone has to do this every day, right? But it is a helpful practice, especially if you've never done this before. Some bad excuses for not fasting. Uh, one, it sounds painful. That's the point, right? Uh, not the only point, but like that's kind of like, yeah. Oh, well, no, I, can, I would get a headache, right? It's like, what? so would I, right? So would any of us, right? That's kind of part of the point. And not that I want you to feel bad, but those, I, those aren't really good excuses, right? I will say, uh, in the Old Testament times, we see this written, uh, the rabbis write about this. There were some exemptions, people that didn't have to fast, even on the special days where everyone fasted. Here's a list of people. Uh, boys under the age of 11 didn't have to fast, right? For little kids, they didn't need to fast. Girls under 10, right, didn't need to fast, right? So before their bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, they were exempt from the fast. They didn't have to, right? They could if their parents wanted them to, I suppose, but they didn't need to, right? Also, uh, pregnant women did not need to fast. Nursing mothers did not need to fast. Why? Well, because that was just common sense, right? Obviously, we're not telling a sick person to fast. Also, people who were sick, people who were at the brink of starvation, so like if someone had just come back from a long journey and their body was like on the brink of starvation, they were exempt from the normal fasts. Um, and also brides, <laughs> if you just gotten married, but only the ladies for some reason. I, but there you go. So the rabbi said. And all that, okay, I say that to share it with you. The point is not like everyone has to fast all the time and you, if you don't, you're not, I'm not saying that, right? I'd be a hypocrite to say that, right? You know, I, I'm not regularly fasting once a week, right? I don't fast twice a week like the Pharisees, okay? But I think all of our spiritual lives, if you're a Christian, would probably improve with a periodic decision to say, I'm going to focus on God, and I haven't been focusing on God great, and I'm going to use fasting today to help me focus on God, right? Can we all just agree, like, that's probably good for us, and Jesus kind of expects that we will do that. So, um, how to fast? Well, pick a purpose. I've already said that. The first thing, you got to pick a purpose. Don't fast blindly. It's easy to waste a fast. If you say, great, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then you, uh, then it becomes 10 o'clock in the morning. You're like, oh, I just this really sucks. Like, I, I really am hungry. Oh, I'm so mad. Oh, I'm so mad. I'm irritable. And then when it's lunchtime, and so people say, hey, why are you not eating? You say, no, I don't know. And then you lie to them, right? That's probably not good either, right? And then you're mad in the afternoon. It's when you'd normally get coffee, but now you're not. Now you're mad. Like, that's not good, right? Don't waste your fast by being like a jerk to God, right? If the whole point is to drive you to prayer, then let that hurt and pain give you the humility and the dependence on God and drive you back to God, right? Not complaining. So, so like in the wilderness, when the Israelites didn't have food, like they complained, right? What should they have done? Go to God. They would have been satisfied, but they, they just complained. So there's your two options when you're hungry during a fast. Do you complain or do you go to God, right? Um, number two, like pick a day, right? So pick a purpose, pick a day. Right? What's the purpose? The purpose is, you know, I'm a senior. I'm only in high school. For the next three months, I want God to, to change and grow me, and I want to know the ways that I need to change right now, so I'm going to fast. I'm going to choose that, right? I'm a freshman. I want to step up and, and invest in other people. I want to know how should I do that, and I want God to show me more of that, so I'm going to choose that purpose, whatever the purpose is for you. It could just be as simple as, I haven't been focusing on God. I want to focus on God more. Great. That's your purpose. So pick that purpose, then pick a day, 
right? Start with a two-meal fast. That's what I'd challenge you. And on these fast days, a two-meal ordinary fast means this. No food, no coffee, no tea, but you do drink water. That's a normal fast. There are some situations in the Bible where there's an absolute fast, right? No water, no food. But an ordinary fast would be you're drinking water, right? And you're probably drinking more water throughout the day than you normally probably would, right? Because you're hungry, but you don't eat food, right? If a person was smoking, they'd stop smoking that day, right? Um, not that I shouldn't have said that. It doesn't matter. But, you know, Depends what you read for rules for fasting, right? Depends how old the book is. You know what I mean? Like if you're reading a book from the 1800s, like, yeah, don't do this cigar that day. It's like, oh, yeah, well, obviously. That's like saying, you know, don't, don't drink your normal cup of coffee, right? But drink water, right? So water, but no food, no coffee, um, no tea. Yeah. And also, by the way, in Matthew 4, when Jesus fasted for 40 days, I don't know if you ever thought about this, it doesn't say that he didn't drink water. And sometimes it talks about him being thirsty and hungry, but in that text, it says he was hungry. And all it says is hungry. So probably means he was drinking water, but not eating. That's my take on that. It, he could have not drink water, but that would have been a, a supernatural fast, right? And that's possible too. So pick a purpose, pick a day, um, and then do it, right? And commit to it and actually follow through. It really stinks to kind of make plans and say, I, I want to do this for God, and then be like, yeah, forget it when the time actually comes. So... All that's about fasting. The third point is really what Jesus is getting at. And I feel bad. Like this is the whole point of the sermon. When you fast, so now we pass that. When you fast, don't draw extra attention to yourself because you have that temptation. We all have that temptation, right? So the third point, avoid the publicity of a hypocritical fast, right? Biblical fasting, devotional fasting, hypocritical fasting. You could fast and God could hate it, right? So the fast, by the way, is not the thing that God looks at and says, yeah, I'm glad you did that. Like that, the act of fasting is not what God approves of, right? I'll prove it. Isaiah 58, it's a good passage to write down. Isaiah 58, God calls out the Israelites and says, okay, hey, you guys have done all these fasts. Why were you fasting? Was it for me that you fasted? God said, it was not for me. It was for you that you could wrong and abuse your neighbor, right? So they were fighting, like they were doing the wrong, they were wasting a fast. They weren't fasting for God. They were in their fast like, I'm so mad, and they were fighting with their neighbor. So God says, if the fasting is not driving you back to righteousness, you're doing it wrong, right? So got to be driven back to God. In Joel chapter 2, same idea. God says, you know what I want from you? I, I, I want you to return to me with your whole heart, with fasting, with weeping, and mourning. And by the way, rend your hearts and not your garments, right? You don't need to rip your clothes. That's not what I care about. I care about your heart being humble. That's what God says. That's the righteous fast. So don't call extra attention to yourself. Dress normally. Don't even dress more casually, right? Can you not see how like you might, if you were fasting, try to go like super casual, you know, ladies, you're like, I'm not going to do my makeup. I'm not going to do my hair. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be more disheveled because I kind of want people to ask, right? Don't do that. Just be normal. Dress normal. Talk normal. That's what Jesus is getting at. Um, yeah, like, and it's not that nobody can know. Like, for some of you, if you fast this week, you know, you probably should tell your parents, like, hey, I'm going to fast today, right? Don't catch them by surprise. And they got their big meal that they served. Here you go. Like, ah, no, it's like, okay, jerk. Like, no, you should probably tell them, you know. <laughs> yeah. If you've been asked on a date, don't choose that day to fast, okay? 
right? I'm like, no, I'm not going to take the coffee. Nope, not going to do the food. Why? I'm fasting. It's like, okay, jerk. Like, that's kind of not the point, right? Choose the right day, right? By the way, those days that they chose, notice they were holidays. Like, they did no normal work. So I, I, I'm not saying you can even choose it, although this is a holiday weekend. But my challenge to you is fast at some point this week. Try a two-day fast, or two-meal, sorry, two-meal, two-meal, which is 24-hour fast with a purpose. You pick a purpose, right? Pick a day. I would suggest, just if I can give you a suggestion, I would suggest either Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, because as we do small groups on Wednesday night, a couple of the questions are going to ask you, hey, if you already fasted, what did you learn when you fasted, right? So I'd suggest those are great days. If you can't do it those days, if you, if you got your, your sports or whatever, but you can do it on Friday, great. But I would suggest try it this week, especially if you've never done it before. Yeah. The problem with hypocritical fasting is the same problem that people have if you get invited to like a grad party. And um, you get invited to a grad party this spring, and it's for somebody else, right? And you go there, and you barely talk to the person that's their party, and then you take all these pictures, and you hang out with all their friends, and you avoid them, and then you post about how great this grad party is, but no reference to the person, and then you get all this attention, and then you leave, and you never talk to the person that you should be celebrating, Right? Not good. Not a good friend move, right? How does God feel if you take all the, the time and energy to fast and to say, I'm not going to eat, I'm going to pray, and then you do it, but then you don't pray, and then you waste the fast, and then you're probably going to be grumpy, and you're probably going to be upset. Like, that's a waste. So don't, don't waste your fast, is what I'm saying. And certainly, Jesus' whole point is here, assuming that they fast, don't be a hypocrite. Don't fast just so you can tell your small group I fasted, Right? I understand the challenge with this. It's like, I, I'd like you to, but do it for you and God. Do it because you need to grow. Do it because you know that your spiritual life is not where it needs to be or whatever thing you want to seek God for. I challenge you to do it. I challenge you. I don't command you to do it because I don't have a verse. I don't have a thing that says you have to do it on Tuesday. I don't. So I'm just presenting it as a challenge, okay? So interesting sermon, different sermon than you normally hear uh, from me especially, but it's because we just don't think about it, right? Um, okay, I'm going to be done talking. Let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk again on Wednesday. Let's pray. God, we recognize with some humility that we're, we're not accustomed to do things like your people have always done them, and um, I just pray we'd not go on the other side of this and become uh, legalistic, insisting people follow our fasting regimens. I we don't want to do that, but I, I do pray that this sermon would be helpful for all these students in True North, all these leaders. Uh, just pray it would be helpful to drive us back to you. Pray that we'd be able to utilize this method that is ancient and that people have been doing for centuries, uh, which often drives people back to you. Um, just pray that you teach us this week as we attempt this. Uh, we, we would like to do this this week, so I pray that we would follow through, and I pray that you would teach us a lot through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.